The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, everyone? This is yours truly, Cameron Fry, His Girl Friday. Soon to be rebranded with a different name, kind of previewing some changes down the road. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> His Girl Friday most likely has a name timer associated to it. I'm not sure yet what we're going to rebrand to, but just know that while the heart of what we do isn't changing anytime soon, the name may change. Kind of an interesting opening there, but I did want to do a couple things today. Number one, I wanted to cast some vision and the name change has been tops the list for me. It's just, um, I really feel like the Lord is wanting to start something new, but start from the top and really just, he's encouraging me to review some of the logistics and the administrative features of what we do, this ministry, this resource, if you will. So just know that Cameron Fryer with His Girl Friday, uh, I've been saying that over, gosh, how many podcasts we've done, over 100, and then 200 written posts. Um, so I do have an article in the works, um, and I partner with a ministry called Praying Through Ministries, and I actually wrote uh, a post for them. It hasn't published yet, so I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to post this particular podcast, but I figured, you know what, once it goes live on their website, then I'll um, copy it over to His Go Friday and um, include this pod as well. So, and just because what I wrote for Praying Through Ministries happens to coincide with a series I've been working on. Themes flowing in from a certain vein, healing. We'll get into all that tonight. Really, it's a unique twist uh, at Matthew 8. In fact, I'll go ahead and give you the passage so you can turn to it once you're ready to jump in. Um, tonight's post and podcast will be based out of Matthew 8, 16 through 17. Quick tangent, though, because some of you who are new, who started following this year, we've probably got maybe 10, 15 new followers on Facebook and I and may, maybe twenty. I don't know. I've kind of lost track. But you know what we've done in recent years kind of contrasts a little bit to what we were doing in fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. The first three years have differed uh, substantially from the last three, and we are finding our rhythm and finding new levels of foundation the more we go out in time. For those, you know, if this is your first podcast that you're listening to His Go Friday, we started out, my wife and I, during the peak of our youth ministry tenure, running, heading, shepherding Legacy Youth Ministries as part of the Gate Community Church. And at that point, we both had day jobs. Liz was working for Dave Ramsey. I was working for TDOT in Nashville, Tennessee. And we wanted to birth a written resource that churned out bi-monthly, I should say bi-weekly posts, bi-weekly content. And the 
core demographic was pastors in ministry, active in ministry, who had tent making jobs during the day they were focused on to make ends meet. And they were kind of juggling that bivocational reality, that bivocational life. And we've since expanded it because we know that most people aren't abiding in liturgical settings. They go to church, but they are not wearing a church staff hat, if you will. Maybe they did at one point, and I'm certainly in that camp now, where I'm a former youth pastor, not an active pastor. I'm not really on staff. I'm so I'm kind of pseudo-staff. Um, I have responsibilities at my church, but I'm not, even though I'm an ordained minister, I'm not really walking in that again, in a liturgical place right now. And I hope that someday that changes, just being frank with you. I hope that I can learn what it's like to be an associate pastor, an executive pastor. Um, you know, but right now that's not the season I'm in. Right now my focus is marketplace ministry, and that's in two words what His Go Friday is rooted if there was a ministry, if there was a ministerial category to file his girlfriend under, it would be marketplace ministry, vocational ministry, occupational ministry. Take your pick. Our heart is to equip those in the marketplace who have been assigned to carry influence, who've been given, you know, really been granted God given assignments, been tasked with a unique calling and they have a unique uh, and I'm speaking really to all of us here like that's why we wanted to broaden out over time all of us carry a unique spiritual gift mix we have an awareness of what our strengths are but as far as spiritual gifts and how that links to our strengths I don't know if we walk in the same awareness and certainly we need to realize we have a profile there's a way to assess how God has wired us, and that's one of the goals and outcomes of His Go Friday is to, really to inspire awareness, awaken that priestly identity in all of us, that we can be a pastor, a teacher, a prophet, evangelist, an apostle in a bunch of different settings, accounting political educational spheres and <laughs> um, medicine. I mean, there's so many hands-on gigs these days. Um, how to be, hey, if you're an entrepreneur, if you create content, if you are a pastor in this season or a Dane pastor, and there's a couple people I know who um, almost the, the pastoral calling is the side hustle. I mean, we could all identify with this, the f that we're all created by God. We are uniquely and wonderfully made by the same creator, whether we realize it or not. And because we exist, because we breathe, if you hear this and you, <laughs> you need to know that you are beautiful, you are wonderful, you are crafted in, a, in an appointed way, I know I don't want to keep saying unique, but you are specifically crafted for a certain 
career path. And it's not just one. They could look at a bunch of different ways. Sometimes God is going to entrust us with the choice when we hit those intersections. And we're not so much, in, in terms of the content that we create, we're not trying to be career counselors, but we certainly want to help you when you hit those intersections and you don't know which way to turn, how to channel your faith into that moment so that you can make the most informed decision and you can know without a doubt and really find God in that process, that decision-making process and know where to go from there. Uh, So we're going to write to help equip people some people, it's, it's, you know, we could talk about what it's like to have a dream job. But for me, I'm one with dream outcomes and how to take that belief, how to abide in rhythm with God, knowing that he's assigned us, he's blessed us, he's given us vocational skills in the, in the marketplace. And even if we are called to the church, in the church alone, we need to understand that we also um, have influence for those in the marketplace. There's this that this integration where we need to know how to equip and inspire and influence people to walk in their five-fold orientation. It's not just those who are pastors, literal priests, and apostles, and conference speakers, etc. You know, like it's not just a an elect few who carry this, like we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. I really believe that. Uh, But I think a lot of times we are living for something that isn't quite Christ and how to live as Christ, how to work. And I should say how to view our work as worship as we go about our day. How do we reference God when things are chaotic, um, when we're stressed. I think a lot of times, you know, on a week-to-week basis, we taste a significant amount of stress and just how to bring God into that stress in the moment, again, so that we can give Him glory as we bless others and we essentially say, isn't, you know, isn't it great to be a part of this body together? And then we can go from there and, okay, what does God call me to do in this season? Because sometimes we we're, we get so caught up, what does God call me to do? We get so stressed about that. It's like, okay, well, what's the pathway? What's the next step that he's called me to walk? And how do I tap into a God who's establishing these stepping stones for me, that path I'm supposed to walk? Because I could chart out my territory and chart out my ways I can plan, certainly, but if I'm not yielded to God along the process, then I'm going to deviate in my own strength or, or even burn out. So that probably was a longer segue. I, that's just sort of um, some raw musings for at least how I am viewing his Go Friday in the short term. Um, some of the questions that we're looking to define as we go about, but certainly Again, the priestly identity or inspiring awareness in fewer words or less. Um, that is what we're looking to do here. Now that you kind of have an idea of what his Go Friday is 
um, and where we're going in the short term. I want to go back to that article I mentioned earlier. Um, so I don't know what the name of this is going to be. By the time you're listening to it, there there probably is going to be a name already attached to it. But I wrote this two weekends ago. Uh, my daughter, Jubilee, is still in the NICU at Vanderbilt. She received her tracheostomy about four or five weeks ago, which certainly an answer to months of prayer waiting and wondering. For those who are listening, uh, who are aware of what's happening, you've been praying for us. Um, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We greatly appreciate your investment in thinking, praying, and uh, contending for us. And you, you can go to Juju's NICU Journey on Facebook if you want to join our private group and follow the updates. We have about 400 people in there right now. And we are thankful for each and every one of them. There's even some nurses and uh, PTs, RTs, um, people who've worked with her back in Centennial that are part of this group and following our updates. So certainly it's been an interesting journey. And we give all glory and credit to the master physician, Jesus Christ, not just making a way for greater health, but advancing her recovery to the next level. In recent days and really recent weeks, uh, I've considered the cross with Easter just to, you know, fresh in mind. Um, I think it was four weeks ago, Easter weekend. Still very much in the rearview mirror. I've been moved by the Messianic prophecy captured in Matthew 8, 16 through 17, which reads, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. And let me go to a couple other versions here. We'll try the Amplified. Um, when evening came, they brought him, or to him, who were under the powers of demons, and he cast out the evil spirits with a word and restored to health all who were sick, exhibiting his authority as Messiah, so that he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities upon himself and carried away our diseases. So pretty similar there. Um, let me see if I could find the message real quick. Here we go. Uh, I like to use a couple different translations to get a well-rounded view of what we're reading. Uh, that evening, a lot of demon-afflicted people were brought to him. He relieved the inwardly tormented. He cured the bodily ill. He fulfilled Isaiah's well-known revelation. He took our diseases, took our illnesses, and cured our diseases. Okay. So we've read this. For those who have been in the Word for many years, I'm sure the exposure to this, I'm sure this rings a bell. It's a popular verse among passages quoted in hospitals. But rereading this, I'm captivated by Isaiah's verb choices. I want us to consider those choices. For instance, he doesn't say verbatim Jesus would cure our infirmities and heal our diseases. Rather, he suggested Jesus would take them up and carry them, a metaphoric preview pointing to the cross to come. To me, knowing what Jesus for me, having the cross in mind, and really um, that being a theme in my post, it's just where's, where's the cross in this? Where is my saved by my Savior? Um, where's the eternal relationship come into view at any point? It's really finding the love of God for me in any passage and the cross being in the forefront, or maybe it's more in the backdrop, but just finding the cross and everything is, in a, is a powerful grid. And to me, I feel like this is one of those passages where the cross is up 
confront close and personal. You know, on the surface, some of us may be discouraged for those seeking immediate results. You know, we, we want to hear verbatim that, you know, what Isaiah said hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years prior. He healed our diseases and infirmities. And I know to me, it's like, wait, he's saying he carried them. He was previewing or foreshadowing. He was to carry them, not heal them. He didn't say, I'm going to snap my fingers and everything's going to be okay. He didn't hint at that, I should say. And I know some translations, he, you know, he cured the bodily ill, yes. But again, carry. He took took and carry as opposed to just jumping in and being like heal. Miraculously cured. <laughs> uh, like, and, and again, I'm, I'm thinking on the fly here, which sometimes I get on these rabbit trail tangents, so forgive me. But... I just appreciate that Isaiah is not making the miraculous side of Christ's healing to be that of a microwave. Yes, Jesus came to heal, but more importantly, he came to take the weight upon him, the load upon him, the spiritual element. It was more than flesh and blood. And yes, the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, there was that flesh and blood confirmation of what Jesus came to do. But so much of it was unseen, spiritual in nature. Jesus just was in the habit of boom, 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 going to town and just having that flock come to him and just, um, again, just in, in a very quick, he, was, he wasn't rushing through it, you know, um, just touching everyone and them falling back or them rather getting up from their place of pain and suddenly it is gone. That, that did happen, yes. That happened several times when we analyze each healing in his ministry. But for the most part, Jesus came to do something more. He came to encourage. He came to eradicate doubt. He came to break pride reveal who he was. He, he was after our hearts is what I'm trying to say. Jesus wasn't just there to make a cameo and be so quick to demonstrate his power. He was after our hearts. Like a lot of stories, when you go back and read it, I mean, there's stuff that happens between the lines. I get that. But he want, he was after our hearts the whole time. <laughs> he still is, you know? And we can't detach that from the miraculous, from those healings. And to me, I look at take on, he carried. That to me is love, that he would do that. Isaiah was able to realize that Jesus was the son of God, the son of love, essentially. Like Isaiah got that about him. He, he really knew not just the, you know, he got the messianic, the priestly part, but in Matthew 8 confirms that. Like there's something so powerful about Jesus slowing his role 
and having the big picture in mind, the Father heart of compassion, of grace, of love, being a part of what was manifesting in addition to that physical reconciliation. Resurrection life ahead of its time almost. Jesus brought back to life quite a bit before the cross, pre-cross. So that's really one thing that grips me going back over Matthew 8, 16 through 17. It's just the verb choices and what they signify to fulfill what was spoken with the prophet Isaiah. He took up our firmness. He carried our diseases, which implies that there was like a pre-healing, a pre-curing. It's not hard to find the cross in this. Think of it this way. Before Jesus could heal our diseases, he first had to relate to them. As Hebrews 4.15 emphasizes, Christ identified with us in our sufferings so he could restore our brokenness, transform our perspective, fix our eyes to his presence. Cross in mind, this is why Jesus did not purchase our eternal freedom at the cost of iniquity alone. As he knew our physical reconciliation was part of the package. Hence why we must understand why while Jesus died for our sins in eternal relationship, he also endured our physical limitations so he could better relate to him in our weakness. So if part, you know, if point one, I don't don't really have points to this, but if point one was finding the love of Christ, rapturing us up in the big picture— and not just physically restoring us, but emotionally restoring us and pointing us in the direction of, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. Point number two is him being able to relate. Again, this goes back into the, the cost of the cross. Jesus wasn't going to let himself not know and identify with our suffering. He wanted to... You know, one of his end goals in mind was so that we, as that chosen race, hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of years later, could know without a doubt that he knows what it's like to hurt, to be broken, to go through crazy, you know, unimaginable pain, at least with human perspective. But it's like I'm going through this NICU journey and it's rough. I mean, I we're walking through the fire right now, but I know that Jesus can identify. He knows he's not just up there detached. Like, yeah, I bet it's pretty tough. You know, you you know, I actually went to hell (laughs) and took the keys from Satan, but bringing it back in here, Jesus, another example of his love is he wanted to be able to relate to what he was setting us free from big picture in mind. You know, he wants to He wanted to restore our brokenness, but that was only the beginning. He was only getting started um, when we we talk about what he fixes, what he repairs. That's just the beginning. It's this is what you're entering into now. This is the fruit of freedom. I I paid the price for you. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. But here, you know, I took him on so I could be able to relate to you. So anytime you're going through certain hardships and heartaches, you could reference me and know, like, okay, you understand. And all the more reason to cast our anxieties upon you in those moments. And this blows my mind. Knowing Jesus, even in his final moments, 
crust on his back, was not only proactive to consider our need to walk in fullness by his grace, but cared just as much about our physical restoration as our spiritual freedom and the emotions being a part of that. He constantly understood, again, I say big picture a lot, but it was more than just the immediate. It wasn't just the physical. It was what the physical attached to. And it wasn't just, again, in the moment, but also just here's the repercussions of what this will mean in the future was more than just the present. There was a futuristic element in everything he did. As for how this can encourage us in the short term, well, again, I said it a couple times before, but consider the cross in Matthew 8, 16 through 17. Before Jesus could instantly heal, there had to be a way to him and for him to call us to receive his healing. Almost like his own altar call. By establishing this pathway, he made clear a critical order. Healing in its rightful place is not a catalyst, but an overflow, a means to relationship with God. Accordingly, since Jesus is the answer, John 14, 6, we must be careful not to assume his divine intervention is even close to the solution he is. And for those like me and Liz, just going through that NICU journey, the NICU life is in large part a struggle stirred by our desire to know the why of God's plan. And by the way, I think that you could extrapolate that to all modes of life, the, the human nature, the tendency to want to know why all the time. But this shouldn't deter us from pressing into Jesus as Matthew 8 at large, not just 16 through 17, but the whole passage reminds us. Healing is a holy prompt to discover God as he connects to our circumstances. While miracles are often perceived as the might drop of God's power, dare to see the waiting for them as opportunities to know his love, nearness, and faithful sovereignty in a new way. After all, it's God's heart, our bedridden bundles. And for some of you, um, the subject, or perhaps the object of your circumstances may look different for us, Jubilee, (laughs) Uh, is tops the charts. But for you, of course, it could look different. It's God's heart, our bedridden bundles, our loved ones, the core of our childish circumstances, whoever they are, that they're not the only ones going through the bells and whistles of the NICU, or it could be a completely different setting. It could be work-related. It could be on the family front. I want to make sure I'm not just speaking only to NICU people here, because I know that's a minority, so... God wants to make sure we're maturing as we're going through. And that's why I want us to at least see our struggles and our challenges, our disappointments even as opportunities to step up, but not just for our sake, but for that God's glory may be known for those who have a, they may understand that we're going through a discouraging time. You might feel the pressure of the microscope, but I would stiff arm that. (laughs) Don't be discouraged by the pressure of the macro. Don't take that as an auxiliary uh, addition to the weight you're carrying. No, 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 no. If anything, start there and getting rid of that and being like, oh, this is an opportunity to, um, not in a self-centered way or in a prideful, egotistical way, but just understanding the mission in front of me. People are, they want to know how we are. They know that we're a believer in Christ. They want to know what hope in motion is. 
and the opportunity is, is golden. It shines in darkness a lot of times. Like, oh man, that guy, that flashlight in his hand, I want one of those. Christ in us, hope of glory. So bottom line, while healing is a culmination of God's power, the anticipation of it should excite our hearts knowing he never stops pursuing us in the midst of chaos and crisis. Even though many of us hearing this have felt the letdown at one point or another. Take heart. The next time you sense God knocking, open the door, cast your anxieties, and let him minister to you in ways only he can. Selah. All right, guys. Well, this was a longer episode just because we took almost 15 minutes diving into what his girlfriend is about in case this is the first time uh, you're discovering our content. Um, the latter half has been specific to um, the nature of Christ, our healer, the master physician, um, and just finding God's, finding the love of God through the cross, through what Jesus bore at Calvary, and applying it to our daily challenges and rhythms that we find ourselves in. So quite a bit there, um, but I hope you got something out of it. I hope you learned something. Or just we're at least we're at the very least encouraged and stirred to praise God and to trust in Him all the more. That's really what we're all about here at His Go Friday. So have a wonderful rest of the week. If you have any questions, you want to leave us a comment, drop us a line. You can follow us on most social media platforms: um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Of course, we have our website at His Go Friday with a Y dot com. Also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, places like that too. But um, I'd say the Facebook page and Instagram, uh, following us on a website, you know, you can, on our website, you can leave comments or DMs that way. So look forward to hearing from you. If not, be blessed. Know that you're loved. And as I always say, you got this. I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.